0: If you have a Bible uh, with you or in front of you, I invite you to open to James chapter 5, where we have spent uh, the majority of our fall going through this book, and as Thanksgiving uh, is upon us this coming week, uh, next week we'll begin an Advent series and turn our direction towards the celebration of the coming of our Savior. We'll be doing that by going through the Old Testament book of Micah uh, for the entire Advent season and enter into sort of the longing that the children of God had in the coming of the Messiah. And so we'll conclude James today. And for those of you who want to read ahead or pull out your study Bibles and spend a little more time in Micah this week, uh, we invite you to do so. And then you can tell us all the ways we're messing up uh, in the weeks ahead in what we say from the book of Micah. But we're gonna begin in verse seven and then uh, finish James chapter five. "'Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters,' Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Therefore, confess your sins one to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And that'll conclude our reading for this morning titled The Message, Patiently Waiting. After what had started as a very strong uh, passage in in chapter 5, James, having been slow to speak and quick to listen, having done that over a long period of time, sensed that there was a profound level of injustice going on around him, that he wanted to call it out and warn those who were committing this injustice against the harvesters that their cries were reaching the throne room of heaven; that they would be standing before God one day, giving an account for how they were manipulating and abusing their laborers. That it was it was so strong that if you're kind of walking along with them, you're you're almost sensing this uh, increasing energy as he's talking. That then there's this shift in verse seven, where um, we might almost expect him to say, because of how specific in judgment he was speaking in the first six verses that he'd say okay everyone now let's take care of this (laughs) this is all going on around us and so it's time for us to stand up and fight and instead he acknowledges all of it and then says okay everyone brothers and sisters be patient wait a minute James (laughs) you got me going here like this is yeah there's some stuff happening And it's really, really wrong. And we believe it's not just wrong for us, like we believe God thinks it's wrong and he cares about it. And then he shifts to say to all of us, be patient until the coming of the Lord. And here again, I think James, as just an astute observer, realizes where even our righteous anger can get us in trouble at times. And one of the things that this passage is, encouraging of all of us is to resist the temptation to become like God there are things happening that with our relationship with the Lord and other people we can discern at times is wrong and we need to call it out but even in doing that we are not God we are not ultimately the judge and jury for the world no one is going to stand before us to give an account for their lives. We, like them, will all stand before the judge who is coming. And that doesn't mean we can't ever speak about it. It doesn't mean we can't ever challenge people to change their ways and call them to repentance. But when you and I think of our responsibility before God, we are supposed to always resist the temptation to become like God, which is where the Bible starts that's sort of the first temptation that enters into the garden to Adam and Eve when God has given them so much to enjoy and really only given them one restriction to adhere to and the voice that comes to them through the serpent is but if you do it you could be like God. Like you could know good and evil like God does. And so for them this opportunity to say can I be content with everything that I do have or am I going to try to go after the one thing I don't have? And for them, they make this choice to partake. Well, what is it like to be like him? And to know the things that he knows. And time and again, for so many of us, it's when we uh, try to assume the authority of God that either we get uncontrollably angry or quickly exhausted. So you don't pay attention to your body and say, you're not God, don't try to stay up all night. Like go to bed, get some rest, and then if you had a bad night of sleep, like listen to your like listen to that. Um, you might need a nap today. Um, just pay attention to how things are affecting you. Um, an organization that I'm blessed to work alongside of, in addition to my work here at Lakeside, had a national conference last week, and one of the speakers talked about um, paying attention. To ourselves, which is something that they actually encourage uh, many people in their uh, as they're counseling people with various addictions or struggles, to pay attention to yourself in terms of what do you do when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired? How do you? What comes out when you're feeling those things? And just to pay attention to that. Uh, and this was a, a week for me where on purpose uh, I wanted to fast and pray a little bit longer this week over something that uh, I have been praying for, but for me one of the easiest ways to try to pray at even a deeper level is just to withhold food. And it doesn't take skipping too many meals before you remember how human you really are. <laughs> and how, how much patience you have for people when you're like really hungry. And for me, the first 24 hours is when I get really hungry. Once I get past 24 hours, then I'm just tired. But you notice yourself and like, so how do I function right now while I'm tired? and okay, don't make too many really important decisions uh, in this moment, but it was kind of funny. um, We have found various shows uh, as a family that it's hard to find something that like a three-year-old and up through mom and dad finds mutually beneficial, right? So early in quarantine, it ended up being the Great British Baking Show. Uh, None of us had heard of it, we found it, we liked it. And even at that point, the two-year-old loved it. And uh, so it was something we could all enjoy together. But this week they were excited to tell me they found a new one. It's not the same, but it's kind of like it. And it's these two brothers from the UK who just do this tour of Italy to learn everything they can learn about making pizza. And I was like, oh, cool, yeah. So it's this tour around uh, Europe and then it's uh, them learning everything they can about the various ingredients and it's it's really fun. Except if you watch it when you're not eating. (laughs) And at that point, I don't know where I was in the plan, but I was like, I was like upset at all of them, and I'm like, it's not their fault, but this is like the most torturous thing. They could probably ask me right now to sit down with them, and, but I felt like if I just went to bed, they'd all be like, what's, what's wrong with dad? Why is he so mad at us? So I'm just like, I have to like not pay attention right now as this is going on. Um, but in that, there's just a small example of a variety of ways in which all of us have to listen to our bodies and remember we're just human beings. We're not God. We don't know everything. We can't know everything. If you right now said, I'm just gonna read all the books I need to read or all the articles I need to read to know X, Y, Z, you can't. You can be informed, but you can't know everything about any situation. And so James, rather than encouraging us to, be, to try to be superhuman, he's saying, no, 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 be patient. God is still God. He's still coming. He's going to do what only He can do. And in our being patient, He's then encouraging us when we realize that, verse 8 establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Don't grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Because He knows where we'll go if we try too much to ignore our bodies, our humanity, and try to become like God. We'll increasingly grumble, we'll become increasingly judgmental, and we won't tolerate suffering long. And if we can admit we're not God, we're just human beings, we don't know everything, that will allow us to have a sense of patience to do what we need to do. Still not to become experts, but to love each other along the way, and to admit our faults along the way as people that are going through this just like everybody else. Then the next temptation he encourages us to resist is if we can pass that one, resist the temptation to be like God, resist the temptation to also use God. Resist the temptation to use him. And that, I would say, is his warning in verses 12 and 11. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. In realizing that we're not in charge, don't simply assume that you can invoke God's name to then justify and do whatever it is you want to do. Resist that. And especially if you're someone who's building a reputation of Saying one thing one day and then saying another thing the next day and then saying another thing the other day. It's like, don't just add God to that. Stop talking. Stop making promises you don't keep. Go back to chapter four and say, oh, if the Lord wills, maybe this. And if the Lord wills that. And don't think that we can make somehow our lying better or our desire to overspeak somehow more noble by simply adding it as in Jesus' name or as uh, God is the one who's gonna justify uh, and make it because that's how often an oath would be. You'd say to someone, I am gonna come and do this tomorrow and if I don't, may God punish me. And then you'd be like, oh, you really mean it because you're invoking God's name as this way of trying to help me believe you're really gonna do it. And hey, let's go on this business trip together and I promise I'm gonna pay up my portion and if I don't, you know, may God do this or that. That's how they'd use the oaths often to, okay, well then I think I'll go into business with you because you're taking this seriously enough that you're invoking God's name in this situation. And he's saying it, it's better just to say to someone, I'm not sure I can do that. than to say, I know I can do it and God's gonna make sure it happens. Oh, that, that isn't wisdom in this moment. Uh, in James's moment and it's just still true to us today which is why the second commandment is to not take the Lord's name in vain (laughs) there's don't worship any other God and then what's the quickest like alternative okay and then don't think that you can just use his name to do whatever you want he is God and we are not he has plans and purposes and we do not and so resist the temptation to simply use him for our purpose. And instead, think of what is required in listening to him, submitting to his will first, and not just trying to get him to do the things that we want to do. And again, this is meant to just cause us to, okay, take a deep breath. We aren't God, and we can't right now, no matter what we do, just make him do the things we want. We can't just sing more songs and then, well, if we get to the fourth one, then he's just going to take everything away. We can't just pray one more prayer and then all of a sudden there won't be any temptations that we're dealing with. We're supposed to sing and we're supposed to pray and we're supposed to love one another, but none of those are then the means by which we enter the driver's seat and he's just along for the ride. That, that, that is not the framework that we're supposed to have. And so when we extend our time horizon, it gives us that sense of patience, that ability to take a deep breath and not become okay with everything that's going on, but realize if everything doesn't resolve today, that's okay. And if everything doesn't resolve tomorrow, again, that's okay, because we're not expecting it to. But if, we're over, if we believe like, no, 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 we can just make this all happen today, uh, will be discouraged, will be frustrated. Our sense of expectation shapes how we interact in the moment. Again, in a lighthearted way, I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday night, but this week I wanted to take the boys for a walk outside because we've been walking a lot, and as the weather's turning and all of us are going to be inside more, I was like, no, we can still go outside. You just have to dress appropriately. And so if you have the right gear on, you can go for a walk in the middle of February just like you can in the middle of June. So uh, it was a colder night, but I was like, I'm going to prove it. Like, let's get the winter hats out. Let's get the thick jackets on. And I'm going to take the boys by myself on a walk around the neighborhood, which in our family, so the difference between going on a walk with just me and going on a walk with mom and dad together is not just one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one is like a hundred in terms of the level of safety that now is added to whatever happens when Amy's involved versus when I'm just by myself and what, in my head, uh, I might not pay attention to. So I knew, okay, I'm doing this by myself. I am not the safety police usually. And so what are the most amount of sort of big street barriers we can avoid? And so I realized, oh, if we walk all the way down to Swenson's, we won't cross any major streets from our house. We just, we live on a busy street and crossing streets, you know, by myself with three is risky. So I said, okay, guys, we're gonna walk down to Swenson's and back just to show you we can do it. And then I explained to the all of them, we're not getting Swenson's. We're just walking to Swenson's and then we're walking back. Okay, but I just wanna show you we can do it. Well, we get all the way down there and we see it. And though I explained it, David was like, what do you you mean we're leaving? Like now, we're walking home. No, I want like a burger and fries. We're here. This is the place we get food from. And I was like, he probably could not, he doesn't have the capacity to understand that I said, we're not buying food. Like he heard the name, we're here, and I almost had a mutiny on my hands. And I was like, oh yeah. Now, I literally, I didn't have my wallet on me. So even if I I felt guilty enough at that point that I was like, I should just buy them the food. I couldn't. I had no money on me. I was like, okay, now I have to talk you into getting home as soon as we can, and I promise then I will call and I'll order it, and then I'll come back and pick it up because I made you walk here. You smell it. You're looking at it, and I said, like, wow, that was a jerk move of a dad to do that uh, to little boys, but the older two didn't have that same, like, they got it. No expectation. This does not end in French fries. Okay, let's go do it. But I I could not explain that to the youngest one. And so it resulted uh, in French fries uh, and burgers. Um, And every day, things like that shape us. What do we expect at the end of it? We can work through a lot of things if we have a sense of where it's leading. And that's part of the disruption of this moment for us is we are being asked to do things and none of us still know where this is leading. And that's hard. Uh, for many of us but lastly James doesn't end with simply telling us to resist certain things he encourages us to lean into the opportunities to trust God and right after he said don't try to use God he now is inviting us hey if you're suffering pray if you're cheerful sing praise like if you've actually had a great month don't feel guilty about celebrating that Because you see that many people around you are not having a great month and things are really difficult. Like it's, if you're suffering, don't feel undue sense of shame or guilt. Like pray about that. And if you're in the, I really am still counting my blessings. I can think of all the things that God has spared me from and I'm I'm happy. It's not wrong to be happy. It's not wrong to be joyful. It's not wrong to sing praise. And if you're suffering something that just seems to keep on going, bring some people into that who are the elders which I think here in James is not yet envisioning the formal office in the church of elders though we as elders of this church take that very seriously and if anyone says please come to our house and pray we do but I think it's more look to people who are older than you who've been through many different crises who they've had nine months that didn't go the way they wanted or two years that didn't go the way they wanted and they've had that happen a couple of times and you're in it right now and you need someone to come pray, they're gonna know how to pray for you because they've been there. They've seen things happen that at that moment they never would have uh, imagined. I was greeting and wishing Sue happy birthday this morning and did not know that this was the anniversary of one of our presidents in JFK's life being taken. And yeah, for everyone alive back then, what would that have meant as they experienced that as a nation and then as a world? I've seen a movie about it. Uh, I didn't live that. And then other experiences that have happened that now, when I think about, you know, two years ago taking our kids to one of the 9-11 museums and realizing, yeah, they know nothing about this. I can't forget it. And they have no memory of it. And as life continues to unfold, we accumulate in our experiences of things that just shock us all, surprise us, they last longer than any of us uh, wanted them to. And, but hopefully that matures us in a way that we can come alongside now people who are not as far down the road as we are. And it's really hard for them to hold out hope that they're going to get through something. And we can take that and say, let us come alongside you, let us pray for you, let us anoint you with oil. And and lean into that, to encourage people to trust in God, just like we've had to trust in God in so many different ways. And then he holds out Elijah. And well, in that, he also is open to the fact that there is this connection, not always, but there is a reality to sometimes our ongoing struggles. Flow from sinful patterns in our lives. And so to say, are we, are we, not only are we listening to our bodies, but are we listening to our conscience? And when in our conscience we feel like there's some things we need to admit, or there's some junk we need to address, that we would, that we would admit that, that we would confess to one another, here's an area I'm struggling in. And even when we know our suffering isn't connected to sin, there's just something about suffering that causes us to do that. There's just something about really not feeling well to, in our mind, say, what are the things that I'm holding on to that I shouldn't, that I should let go of? And then there is a power. It says in verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Like, if we get that off our shoulders and tell people the things that no one knows, there's, it's hard to quantify, but there is something so freeing and releasing about that, and we can experience that kind of healing. And then he talks about Elijah. In verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In, in other translations, Elijah was fully human, and he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't rain. And so James is kind of going out of his way to, when you think about the prophets, when you think about Job, let's maybe take the best of the prophets, Elijah. Don't think of these as superhuman people. They're fully human people. Job was as ordinary as you and me. Jeremiah and Isaiah and Micah and Ezekiel and Hannah and Rebekah, these people were as ordinary as you and me. It's okay to be ordinary. God is not asking us to be any more than that, but to then lean into all the ways in which we can trust in God, pray for him, see him do things that only he can do and be the beneficiaries of that. And then at the very end to say, you know what joy we get to enter into as we lean into trusting God in that way? God could use us to bring back those who are currently going astray and to save them from their wandering like those who are right now ignoring all of these things they're, they're trying to be godlike. they're trying to use God they're not leaning into the ways of trusting him we can as we take these things seriously catch some of them <laughs> say don't know don't do that come back and experience the joy that repentance brings into our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and just how amazingly applicable it is to us in this moment that we need to learn how to wait patiently, how to not grumble, um, how to not assume the posture of judge and jury and Tell everyone else exactly what they're supposed to do or how, and um, and yet that you are listening to us, that you are available, that we can pray to you, that we can praise you, and um, waiting doesn't doesn't mean just sitting around. Waiting doesn't mean doing nothing, but it's applying our effort and our energy and our focus in all the healthy and good ways that can encourage one another and can rescue. People who are wandering from the truth to not give their hearts to any idol or any false God that just tries to tell them what they want to hear but instead keeps them in the security and the safety of the only God who is the true and living King. And so we pray that as you look down upon us that you would find us faithful, people patiently waiting with joy with a sense of hope and expectation that in the end you will do far more abundantly above all that we could have ever asked or thought. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.